Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mackie and Judd right now. Kenny, can we get a traffic report for the Super Bowl parade route? Uh, no. Just a quick little, Nothing you know, just all? a little something. No. Just a, no. I mean, it's going to go. Any left lane blockers no. for the floats? It's going to go no. down 94, come back, 35W. What about that? No. All right. A little right lane blocker there. This is your anti-Super Bowl station. What a killjoy you are. Wow. It's coming here, and the Vikings are going to be in it. Comes from working with Royce. Want to ring the bell? He'll run it this time. Up the Just kind of ducked and uh, the get small drill. You know, we work on that in practice with Coach Stefanski, our quarterback coach. But <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, Adam did a great job, you know, finding some space. Who? You think I just threw it to space and <laughs> hope somebody was there? No, I saw him. I saw him. I man. love Keenum clowning Chip Scoggins. Yeah, wasn't that great? <laughs> uh, and by the way, the answer is yes. I think you threw it and hoped. Wait on the on the first one to Thielen, yes. not the sixty-five. Oh yard, no no right? no no! Yeah. On on the one where, where he avoided uh, basically two sacks and yeah. then got smacked. Yeah, I think he threw that ball and thought, I think I saw nineteen somewhere down the field, so I'm going to see if the ball goes to him. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of those. And you get this that we had the full case Keenum experience yesterday. We had some you had some precision throws. You had some you had diving head first on a fourteen yard run and nearly getting your head knocked off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the oh my god no 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 oh yes throw. Uh, but overall for the Vikings, I think we can probably agree on this. We we were we were talking about this game on Friday as a gatekeeper game going from playoff team that can maybe win a game to if you handle the Rams at home, that says a lot about your chances to maybe go multiple rounds deep and be a Super Bowl contender in the NFC. And I thought that was a heavyweight fight yesterday. And the Vikings knocked out one of the best teams in the league in like the sixth round. It was kind of feeling it out. Rams delivered a punch early with that opening drive. And then the Vikings laid them down very slowly in the sixth round. And it was a dismantling. What impressed me was was the fact that the Rams came out and they drove down the field in nine plays. And I said to myself, I understand that this Vikings defense is far superior, but that drive reminded me of the 2006 Halloween Patriots game. When the Vikings defense had played so well that year, and then the Patriots came in and just dismantled the Vikings bit by bit by passing against them. I thought that drive looked looked almost too simple. 
So I'm thinking, okay, now I, I want the Vikings to come back and show me something. And they shut them down. And they shut them down. They they didn't. I mean, Jared Goff, by the end of that game, looked completely lost. Jared Goff went from being a quarterback that I thought was going to impress me to being a quarterback that the Vikings had, gave nothing to. Todd Gurley ran for something like, I think, 25 yards after that first drive. Every, everything the Vikings did yesterday brings me back to this. As much as we talk about the quarterbacks and, and the offense and things like that, this defense is one of the best Vikings defenses we've seen. This is one of the best, period. Yes. This is one of the best defenses that we've seen. This defense, what they did what they did to a team that led the league in scoring going into yesterday tells you this defense is not good. This defense has the potential to be great, yes, and, it's, is, and it's bo- it's bordering on that right now. It's a Super Bowl defense, yes. and think of it this way, too. I, I would still put the Eagles number one in the NFC. They have one loss on the year. They just went into Dallas, and Dallas was decimated. Their left tackle was out. Uh, it, it, their, uh, Sean Lee didn't play the in the game last night, right? Yes. And also uh, Zeke Elliott's out. So that was, that was kind of a, a shell-of-themselves Dallas team. But Philadelphia has a pretty similar formula to the Rams in this regard. Second-year quarterback, a lot of great pieces on defense, offensive line, weapons. So there's and the Vikings kind of similar, right? You've it's not a second-year quarterback, but it's a it's a career backup quarterback. And and the the car that they're driving is, you know, it's a it's a NAS it's a NASCAR like 200 miles now. All you have to do is not crash it. Well, if the Vikings did that to the Rams yesterday, and a second-year quarterback looked like a second-year quarterback. Oh, funny what happens when, when you have to run for your life a little bit and when your skill position players are covered up by some of the best defensive players in the league. Mm-hmm. Isn't it safe to assume that this well-oiled Eagles machine, and that's what the Rams were, averaging 40 points per game on the road, a 26-point margin of victory the last month, home and away, and they looked like that after the first drive. It was, They had nothing for the last two and a half hours of that game. Mm-hmm. I think the Eagles, at some point, if these teams meet, are more likely to look like the Rams did yesterday than the way they looked against the Cowboys last night on national TV. Hey, I so, think I think Carson Wentz is better than Goff. But that being said, this my point is he ain't that much better. The, Vi- than Goff. the Vikings won second year. The Vikings won five consecutive games, and every one of those five games, I I came away from the game saying to myself that might have been impressive, but but Baltimore is not that good. Cleveland is awful. Washington has a good offense. Defense is, is suspect. The Packers lost their QB early. Every one of, of those five previous wins, you could come away saying, uh, yeah, that's a nice win, but yesterday, we got to yesterday, and I said, all right, if you come out and you play well in this game and potentially dominate, you can't come away from this game now saying, yeah, but this is... Yesterday gave you an opportunity to size yourself up against a really, really good team. And for the most part, their quarterback looked completely lost. Their run game didn't do a thing. And and you came back in the final quarter and scored enough points that the final score dominated for you. There was very little yesterday that I saw and said, well, that concerns me. Everything that you saw, including the fact that it starts with that defense, was this is now a team that goes from being a definite playoff team to being a team that looks like it can make a deep playoff. Yes, totally agree. And just so there's no ambiguity, sometimes you look at the scoreboard and the scoreboard doesn't tell the whole story. You know, maybe the game was the game was a little bit closer than the scoreboard indicated until later on. Look at the yardage. Look at some of the the inner markings of that game. 
The Vikings outgained the Rams by 200 yards, 450 to 250 in that game. Mm-hmm. Yards per play, and this is a massive gap. There was a two yards per play difference between the Rams and the Vikings. Six and a half to four and a half. That is an astronomical number when you're talking about a team that people were looking at as maybe an NFC Championship game caliber team. And maybe the Rams are still that. Like, obviously, the Vikings have a tough stretch here with three road games. If you have to go on the road and play the Rams in Los Angeles at some point in the playoffs, the story might be a little bit different. Um, But everything you said, I agree with. I think going in, you had to be objective and say, yeah, the Vikings beat the Browns. They beat Joe Flacco. They had Brett Hundley. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, you know, they got beat on the road against Pittsburgh. So it's a nice record. They're playing really well. Things are going well. They don't have to apologize for being 7-2. and two, But to get to 8-2 and two in the way that they did, it's a big absolutely boy game. a big boy win for the Vikes. A lot to talk about regarding the quarterback and some things Mike Zimmer said mm-hmm. after the game as well. But, uh, I mean, we wouldn't be serving the audience <laughs> if we didn't tap dance on a grave or two after yesterday. It's the Green and Gold Post Game Show, and we start out with simply one question, Gary. What the hell was that? Uh, that sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, Pat, go! Yep. Can I tell you what that was? That was the first time yesterday that the Green Bay Packers have been shut out since November the 19th of 2006 when... Rodgers replaced Favre Cowboys. because the game, the Cowboys game was so one-sided. The uh, the Packers were last shut out November 19, 2006 by the New England Patriots, Patriots. 35-0. Okay. Rodgers, then in his second year, came in and replaced Brett Favre in that game. So Favre had a bad game. So Favre had a bad game, but 2006. I'm not a believer in Joe Callahan, but the Packers need to go to him because I am not a believer in Hundley. We don't need to let him make mistakes because he's not the quarterback of the future. (laughs) Welcome. But Callahan might be. Welcome to our world. (laughs) Welcome to our world. You you have now entered a long line of Vikings history right there, Packer fans. Clamoring for Callahan. Just start Josh Freeman, damn it. If you'd only start Josh Freeman. Listen, you know what happens when you keep spinning the quarterback roulette chamber? You get, was it, is it Nathan Peterman? That yes. Peterman guy from yes, Buffalo Peter- who threw five interceptions in the first half. You know what I want? I want the Packers somehow to get Joe Webb now and just start Joe Webb because then it would be perfect. What was the year that the Vikings going into week one were debating, well, should Kelly Holcomb be the starter or whoever the hell, Ty Detmer or somebody? Remember Uh, that year, Brooks Bollinger maybe? 07, it was was T-Jack, Brooks Bollinger, Kelly Holcomb, I believe, were the three quarterbacks. And then one of the Detmers came in for a practice. I remember watching preseason games and thinking, yeah, this Holcomb guy ain't so bad. I think we can roll with him. They acquired Holcomb. It was 2007. In 2006, uh, they traded during their last preseason game for Bollinger. And so they got Brooksy for 2006. (laughs) And if I'm not mistaken, then in training camp, right before the year in 07, they went out and sent like a draft pick to the Eagles for Kelly Holcomb, a Brad Childress favorite. Guys like Mike McCarthy don't grow on trees. No, they don't. Guys like Ted Thompson don't grow on trees. They just don't. You guys are spoiled. You guys are lucky to have these guys uh, as your coach and as your general manager. 
Okay, that was. This is what happens when you're going through your first quarterback crisis. You start to get delirious. You start to deliver delirious takes. I agree with half of what he said on the Green and Gold postgame show, powering Packer Ventline this morning. I'm Mackie and Judd. Packer fans are spoiled, and this is the first time. And and by the way, they're still going to finish because they have the Browns and the Buccaneers. They're still going to finish with like seven wins on the season. So it ain't like they're going to go three and thirteen. They went into crisis mode, and they're still going to flirt with the playoffs, for God's sakes. So it's one thing. They're spoiled, but to say that you can never find another Ted Thompson who refuses to sign a free agent. No, he didn't say that. He said they don't grow on trees. And in the most literal sense, he's 100% right. I can call an arborist. They literally do not grow people on trees. Are we sure Ted Thompson didn't grow from some fungus or something. Do these these people realize there's only one reason why they've been where they are for the last eight years or seven years? Uh, uh, How about the last, well, I would say even like after the Ron Wolf era, the last 15 years basically. But really? We're crediting Ted Thompson? (laughs) Go, Pat, go! You're on borrowed time with Aaron Rodgers. you got a few years few good years left in him. You need to start rebuilding and restarting. Heads got to roll. Coaches have to be fired. Players have to be kind of traded. You have to start getting new guys. You've already just got a sneak peek of what's going to happen as soon as Aaron Rodgers is going to leave. You already saw the future. If you want to even begin to change that, you got to start doing that this offseason. You actually got to start getting a team together. Not just some role players, a whole team together. That was actually a very rational, level-headed, objective phone call on Packer Ventline. Here's here's what I want. I want all of you people who have a piece of paper saying that you own this godforsaken team to drive to 1265 Lombardi Avenue today. Get in the rotunda <laughs> there. The all address. of you, all of you, get in the rotunda and call for heads just like the old school days. Is this a good time to remind them that number 12 would look great in purple next year if he opts out? This might be a good time. Yes, why not? Why I'm not? Like, do we know that he? I might have made that up. I know he has an out. I think it might be like a mutual thing. So I don't know. Maybe he. Maybe he'll hold out and demand a trade. If he says, "Look, I'm not coming back. Do what you can, but I'm not playing." I mean, you got to make the move, I right? You do. I love how they think that Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy have a huge role in why they were there. What you know? It's Ted and don't Mike. Don't grow on trees. It's no, Aaron Rodgers doesn't grow on trees. No, this is true. Uh, so yeah, we'll, so we'll sprinkle in some tap dancing. That was on glorious, the by the way. That was really good. It was. We'll we'll sprinkle in some Packer vent line throughout the show today. But speaking of the Packers, let's come back and talk about the old gunslinger. Not like the old gunslinger. Actually, it's the new gunslinger, Case Keenum. When we come back here, Mackie and Judd, Vikings eight and two atop the NFC North. And uh, we'll get to Kevin Seifert in about 20 minutes. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com at 11.15. Before we go in there, I want to tell you guys about an experience I had with the Chris Lindahl team, the number one REMAX results team. Earlier in 2017, Chris Lindahl's team helped me sell my condo within three hours of it going on the market for top dollar. Uh, In my head, I thought, oh, this thing will be on the market for like, I don't know, a month, month and a half, who the, who the heck knows? We had an open house that started at noon on a Saturday in February. Full-priced offer for a lot more money than I ever thought. Within three hours, the Chris Lindahl team is also very giving. In fact, 
um, this holiday season, if you want to enter the holiday listing giveaway, chrislindahl.com saying thank you in a big way for the holidays. Somebody's going to win a free listing contract with the Chris Lindahl team. That means a family will get their house sold for free with the full marketing that goes with it. 763-401-SOLD. 763-401-SOLD or chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. Uh, my experience with the Chris Lindahl team was out of this world. Go experience for yourself. chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. 763-401-SOLD. The offer or the giveaway is through December 15th. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd. On 1500 ESPN. Showing blitz. Rams bring it. Keenum gets rid of it. Thielen. Makes it. You know, it's going to be hard to yank him out of there right now. So, you know, he's playing good, and, um, you know, I still have really high hopes for Teddy, and, you know, thing, a lot of things happen throughout the course of this season, so we'll just see how it goes. Are there times where Case does throw the pass like he did, and you go, oh, boy, is that going to work? And, and then it seems to Well, work. I don't really say is that going to work, but... Sim- well, you launched it down, you know, you yeah, set yourself uh, for a second, that could be a hit, so... Yeah, I'm thinking a lot of things at that point. But he's got a horseshoe right now. Look at you! Just uh, all, all the fake news media, shoe. like you, all you want to do is divide the locker room and create controversy. Where no, it's I not. want the head coach. I want I want to give Mike an opportunity to be as honest as Mike can be. You want Mike to say that he loves Teddy, so that the locker room can be divided. Listen, we get you got to march down there and th- get in Zimmer's face. No, no, there is. I like Mike. And Why can't you just be positive? And there is one, and there is <laughs> one press conference a week in which Mike is very is very honest and open, and that's the Sunday post game press conference because he's had three glasses of wine between so, the end of the game and the time that he comes to the podium. All, all I was trying to do was give Mike the opportunity to say how he felt about a ball that sort of fluttered through the air towards towards Thielen and got caught, but Mike thought to himself um yeah. he's got as he said he's got a horseshoe right now he's playing well and he has a horseshoe is yeah. it, it's fair to say both yeah and, oh no he's no i you know what yes he he is playing well and and also yesterday was the first time in four games where you didn't get a suspect half yeah i mean here here's yes. here's what's happening okay i'm going to i'm going to keep using the uh, the tired car analogy here because i think it fits very well case keenum deserves credit for playing as well as he is but if we're being honest, it's really nice to have a Ferrari as the vehicle you're stepping into on the football field instead of, let's say, a Plymouth Acclaim, which is what Teddy Bridgewater had two years ago. It's what Case Keenum had for the two seasons he was with the Rams uh, in St. Louis and Los Angeles. When you throw a short pass to Adam Thielen and he takes off for 65 yards, turns the Jets on, and scores a touchdown, and then you get full credit for the 65-yard touchdown pass, like you thread the, you know, thread the needle 30 yards down the field. No credit taken away from Case Keenum, but full credit to Adam Thielen for turning on the Jets and scoring that touchdown. And like sometimes I think we get out over our skis a little bit, and we get out, we get out of the gray area of what Case Keenum has been for five years and the reasons why this offense is humming, and we start to like, put him in the same sentence as Kurt Warner, like somebody did on Ventline yesterday. Somebody called in and legitimately put Case Keenum. He's, I, this is, reminds me of Kurt Warner in 1999. Kurt Warner won the MVP award and threw 41 touchdown passes for the Rams in 1999. Mm-hmm. It was the greatest offense ever concocted in the history of the NFL up until that point. 
until Tom Brady and Randy Moss, I think, broke the scoring record in uh, in 2007. So, like, I, I just think it's it's to watch that game yesterday, I didn't come away thinking, man, like you watch most Packer games and holy crap, Aaron Rodgers won that game for the Packers. Right. I came away thinking that defense was incredible yes. and held a high-powered Rams team one of the high-powered offenses in the NFL to nothing after the first drive. And that's the most important thing. Saw a, that's the headline. An, an offensive line that has kept the quarterback clean for a month and a half, one sack in six weeks. Yep. I saw two of the top ten receivers in the NFL, including Adam Thielen, who's second in the league in receiving yards, who, who ran 21 miles per hour on that sprint to the end zone yesterday. And I'm thinking... You could put Mitch Leidner behind center, and he's well, going to perform at least that, at a respectable level that, with the weapons and the things around him. That's a little much, I think. I'm just saying, like, but Case that's Keenum, when, I, when I see when I see these games, I'm not thinking, Case, oh my God, Case Keenum. Case Keenum deserves a lot of credit for playing well, and, and he did not have he did not pay for a decision yesterday where you said that was really stupid. Now he made some throws that I questioned, but they didn't get picked. Um, you referred to it. Last week, as as the hot hand and dispelling the notion that you've got to stick with the guy who's got the hot hand, I would paint it more right now as as a guy who's clicking in the system. And as long as as long as the Vikings are going down the path offensively that they're current currently going down, there will not be a change made, nor should there be. But I think what we need to comprehend here is we're talking about an offense that is working in, in its totality. We're not talking about one part here. The offensive line is unbelievable. I believe if you, I think the stat I heard yesterday was that in the past five or six games, they have given up one or zero sacks. That's off the charts. And and now Keenum deserves credit because he can move. Yes, that's true. But nonetheless, when you consider the absolute garbage that we were forced to watch in 2016 when, when it came to the line and the way that they played both in a run and pass protection this year, it's been fantastic. I don't think anybody should be concerned, though, that the Vikings are going to make a change while things are going well. This is only set up for if things start to come unglued, they will make that change. But against Detroit, Keenum's going to start. He should start. And if Case Keenum continues to play the way that he did on Sunday, he will start. But I don't think it's it's not because Case is so hot. It's because this is working now. And there is no coach on the face of the earth, I don't think, that's going to break that up. Now, if Keenum has a really bad half, I think they will definitely make a change. And I also think Zimmer's point in that quote to me is is clear as day to get. Wait, let me play it okay. again. Just, which, right. Are you talking about the one where you, I'm talking about the, where you the badgered one him? Where I follow up, yes. Where you uh, yeah, where verbally I, assaulted yes, him? I okay. am terrible. Are there times where Case does throw the pass like he did and you go, oh boy, is that going to work? And, and then it seems to well, work. I don't really say is that going to work, but similar. Well, you launched it down, you know, you yeah, set yourself uh, for a second, that could be a pick, so. Yeah, I'm thinking a lot of things at that point. But he's got a horseshoe right now. He, he, he wants, so I think part of him wants Case Keenum to throw five picks like Peterman did in the first half. In a weird so way. So that he can turn to Teddy Bridgewater. I don't right? think you're wrong. But what he's saying there, and, and I here's what I, I don't understand why this discussion has to be black and white. Like, I don't understand why this discussion has to have a definite answer to it. To me, to me, this is one of the most interesting quarterback um, discussions I've seen. And what Zimmer is saying there is so easy to me to get. It is this. If he throws that pass in January, and it's an irresponsible pass, if he throws that pass in a January playoff game and it gets picked, that can end our season. 
And what he is thinking, and he's right about this, is we have, personnel-wise, we put together a team, and specifically on defense, that is a Super Bowl-type team. So if you lose a first round and or get a bye and lose a second-round playoff game, that's not, oh, it's too bad, this was a nice year. This is a window year. This is a year where you have, you now, after Sunday, definitely can say to yourself, this is a year where the window is open to go to the Super Bowl, not to make the playoffs. And when he saw that pass, fans are thinking, that was a really cool pass. He took a chance, yes. and that was fun. And Thielen made, made a great catch. And all those things to you are true. A head coach doesn't look at it that way. He he looks at that pass and thinks, oh, my God, if a cornerback jumps that route, sees that ball, we're done. Yes, and and so and we're going to get to Kevin Seifert here in just a couple minutes. So I think throughout the show and – Maybe we just maybe we dive into this after Seifert. I think fans are curious to know why won't he just name Case Keenum the starter? I mean, they've won, they haven't lost in how many weeks? What what's preventing Mike Zimmer from naming Case Keenum the starting quarterback? And there's a lot that goes into that. And I and th- and this is where you you nailed it. It's it shouldn't just be a black and white conversation of you're either pro Case or you're not. I think Mike Zimmer is looking at his team, and we can expand on this later. And it's six weeks, one sack, and some of the credit goes to Case Keenum for having great pocket presence. Uh, he's able to, you know, strafe to his right three steps to avoid uh, an edge rusher coming across the, the you know the front of his face mag. He's really good at sort of sensing pressure and getting out of the way. But the offensive line is playing incredibly. It's it's probably a top five pass blocking offensive line in the league, right? Yes. So so let's let's give full credit to the offensive line and the scheme. And so Zimmer sees six weeks, one sack allowed. He sees two of the best wide receivers in the league in in Adam Thielen, who is emerging as top five, and Stefan Diggs, if he could stay healthy, would be in that same mix as a top ten receiver. And he sees the best defense in the NFL. And Case Keenum is putting up okay numbers. You know, he's making passes that he, I think in Mike Zimmer's mind, he envisions Teddy Bridgewater as his franchise quarterback, super accurate in college, and intermediate throws in the NFL and thinks, man, if I could even just get another level or two out of my starting quarterback, we wouldn't be talking about winning games 24 to 7 and, you know, getting to 23, 24 points here and there. We'd be talking about 40 and 50 point games on a regular basis. I thought that too. I don't now. Here's what I think Zimmer is thinking to himself. I know exactly what Teddy will and won't do. And he'll, he will not throw a pass where I say, what the hell did you just do? I, I honestly think this comes down to Zimmer is so confident in his defense, he doesn't want his quarterback to sabotage that defense. And so I don't think that this is about scoring tons of points. I think that this is about going into a game and having a specific idea and knowing exactly what your quarterback will and won't do. And, sure. and Keenum's a, Keenum, Keenum is an excitable quarterback. That's not a good thing to say. Bridgewater's not. He wants a guy who he knows that if he's about to be sacked, will either throw the ball out of bounds or take the sack. But he's, you know, he's he really is diet Brett Favre. I mean, he is. You get all the risk. You don't get the Hall of Fame upside. You get. You probably get John Madden making an appearance. On Thanksgiving in the booth, talking about how much Case Keenum loves football, Case Keenum eating the turducken after the game, <laughs> I can envision all these things. And and he, do you finally agree that he's fun to watch? That you fought me on that a month ago. Case Keenum is a fun quarterback to watch. He's, yeah, he's running got some around. Fun to him, sure. There was a play he runs but fun fourteen yards. 
Well, what, for what, a coach, it, no, 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 it's, I, no. It's, it's I'm saying coaches, coaches don't don't like fun. Fan, fans and us, we like fun. Coaches don't want fun. Well, you you like fun if you don't if you don't get the risk, and um, you know at this point the the risky throws haven't really punished. Yeah, he the Vikings. is definitely interesting to watch. Uh, let's talk to Kevin Seifert when we come back. Your Vikings eight and two. Uh, we agree they proved themselves as true Super Bowl contenders yesterday. And we can open up phone lines a little bit later on, so we'll uh, we'll let you know when that happens. Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com to talk more Vikes next. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. Is it for charity at all? Uh, not that I know of. It's just somebody decided it would be fun. Mackey and Judd. It's like a clown car, but much smellier. On 1500 ESPN. Showing blitz. Rams bring it. Keenum gets rid of it. Thielen. Makes it. Thielen now, just to put his season into context, he's second in the NFL. Kevin Seifert joining us from ESPN.com. He's second in the NFL in receiving yards, over 900 now. The only guy in front of him is Antonio Brown, who uh, you can start sizing his jacket up for for Hall of Fame at some point. Uh, Antonio Brown, 1,026 yards on the season. That's 70 catches. He's got six touchdowns. Adam Thielen. 62 catches, 916 yards, and three touchdowns. And Kevin, six games to go to add to that tally. Oh, he did you know he's from Minnesota too, Kevin? I did see that, and I uh, they look like uh, Fox got another week's worth of use out of those old kid pictures of him in Vikings <laughs> uniforms too. So I was thrilled uh, to see that as well. Yeah, so great. Yeah, those Minnesota stories. Now, here's my question, though. How the Gophers miss this kid? That's my question now. How the Gophers yeah. miss him? It seems like everybody did. I they mean, did. You know, it's, uh, whether it was um, in going to college or going to the NFL, he was undrafted. Obviously, he wasn't even signed as a uh, as a priority free agent. I, I believe the story is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that he was uh, he came as a tryout player. And normally, correct. what the Vikings do each year is uh, basically to f- to make sure they have enough bodies to have a rookie camp. They invite uh, players to to fill spaces basically and and you oftentimes they're local guys that don't have to fly in or whatever and, and he was one of them some some of them you know, marcus sherrill's i believe was another some of them mm-hmm. maybe have better chances than others but for the most part most of the people in that camp are brought in for one purpose and that's not to be signed it's just to provide enough players to run drills during rookie camp to see what the draft picks look like so kevin what was your uh, perception of the vikings going into sunday and and what is that perception now after a pretty impressive win against a good rams team yeah i felt you know pretty confident that they were going to win yesterday as confident as you can be in a, in a crazy league such as the nfl um because i think that their defense has been really consistent throughout the throughout the season and while the rams um certainly had, had taken a lot of people by surprise with their ability to score. I wondered what would happen when they went on the road in a playoff-type situation against a really stingy defense, and we saw they were not up to the task. The Vikings uh, you know, were on the ropes there for the, the beginning, but they ultimately adjusted, and they are, they are a team that no one has, other than maybe the Redskins, um, has really been able to, to crack uh, defensively for the entire year, and that's something that bodes very well in a playoff race. Um, I also, you know, w- wasn't surprised at all to see see the the offense eventually push through. Um, Wade Phillips, a pretty good defensive coordinator, and for the Rams, and and they 
they they pulled some tricks there that, that helped them out. But uh, you know, I I went in thinking they were one of the best teams in the NFC, and I come out of it thinking the same thing. I guess is the the way to sum it up. Yeah, this is this is that time of year where you know you st- it doesn't really matter when the Patriots start slow. Like they're always there in the end. The Seahawks have always yeah. been there in the end. This is the time of year where you really get separation. And Judd and I both agree that win yesterday was kind of that separating factor. Now, if the Vikings go and lose three straight road games here, then you know your opinion might change in the month of December. But do you feel like yesterday's game put the Vikings in the Super Bowl conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Because, and we talked about this in terms of the division earlier in the year, uh, their asset, you know, their greatest asset is their defense. And if you put up that defense against all the other teams in the entire NFL's best assets, it's it it stacks up pretty well. Obviously, having a quarterback like Tom Brady is a more important asset than having a great defense like the Vikings. But in terms of having something that you can count on week in and week out to, to give you elite-level production, they have it. And so in um, the AFC especially, there's probably only two teams there that, that, that can even come close to that, and that's the Steelers and the Patriots. I mean, right now the Jaguars are the third uh, seed in, in the AFC. In the NFC, you know, you're starting to see a little bit of separation as well. You know, I think it's, it's Eagles, Vikings, um, uh, and Saints, and we'll see if we're, what the Panthers end up doing, and we'll see what the, the Seahawks end up doing. But it could be a three-team uh, NFC, and so that you talk about five teams total, and the Vikings are absolutely in that uh, in that conversation right now. Have you, Kevin, uh, seen a Vikings defense in your time covering this team that uh, that exceeds this one? No, no, I really haven't. And it's you know, to be fair, there's a lot of really bad uh, options to, to pick from between sure. the years and the years. I started in '99, so '99 up until now, um, you know, there was Mike Tomlin's defense was pretty decent in 2006. Uh, at least the first two thirds of the season, and Leslie um, Frazier had a, had a pretty good defense the year that that Brett Favre was here in 2009. But uh, nothing that uh, plays at this level, you know, consistently throughout a season. Um, and in 2009, obviously, it had the the advantage of a, uh, a really explosive offense. Um, and so I, I think, and it, and it, it starts very basic that I've never seen a defense with this many great players. I mean, there are, uh, you know, it's been a focus of their draft, but you look at Xavier Rose, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. They have one of the best safeties in the league in Harrison Smith. I think Anthony Barr has certainly, um, taken a step this year as, as the Vikings had hoped. And Eric Kendricks has, uh, has proved to be a very reliable middle linebacker and they have, two and maybe three really high-level playmakers, or definitely three in my opinion, on the defensive line with Griffin and Hunter and Linval Joseph. So, I mean, and, they've all, and they're all healthy for the most part, and that uh, is a pretty good combination. I, don't, I can't think of, you know, what's that, three, five, we just named seven players of the 11. I can't think of a season where they've really had more than three or four of those type of players at any given time. Give me the uh, the one member of that group that you think this team could least afford to lose. Who's the of, of that of that group of seven? Who do you think is the absolute most important? Uh, probably, you know, I'd say Xavier Rhodes. To be honest, you know, I know he may not even qualify as the best player on the on the defense. You know, we could probably say Harrison Smith, but I think it's harder to recover from not having that that cornerback that you can that you can. Um, line up against the team's best receiver week after week and have him follow them 
than it would be to to be without your deep safety. Not as not a slight at all against Harrison Smith, but just in terms of positions, I think cornerback is probably a little more important than safety, and that's so I go with that. But either one of those two guys, a loss losing them would make a big difference. Uh, Kevin Seifert, ESPN.com. Uh, Vikings sitting eight and two after that win yesterday, and uh, I, I, are you surprised at all that we're still having this conversation on a weekly basis? Bridgewater, Case Keenum, to the extent that we are. I mean, you're the you're the guy stirring it up. I'm not having that. Actually, you know it's funny. Let's play a little soundbite here yeah. from the uh, the press conference yesterday. Let's uh, let's see here. Other times where Case does throw the pass like he did, and you go, oh boy, is that going to work? And, and then it seems to. Well, work. I don't really say is that going to work, but similar. Well, you launched it down, you know, you yeah, set yourself uh, for a second, that could be a kick, so. Yeah, I'm thinking a lot of things at that point. But he's got a horseshoe right now. It's Judd Zolgad just stirring the pot hey, right there. You know, do what you got to do, Kevin. Confronting Mike Zimmer. No, in, in, in all seriousness, I think Judd and your instincts are correct in knowing that that Mike really wants Teddy and really thought Teddy would end up being the starter at some point. Um, but it's smart enough to realize that Case is keen and playing way too um well for um for him to make a, a change but i think he's he's willing to and we make a change at any point um you know tony dungy was campaigning last night on on nbc say why isn't mike zimmer just coming out and saying case keen is my quarterback and i think it's important to note that he hasn't said that and to and for that reason it is worth remembering that the the, the very first time case keenum stumbles or or does something that 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 impacts the outcome of a game or either causes them to lose it or makes it a lot harder to win than it would have been then it's very fair and relevant to ask whether that means Teddy's going to be the starter we saw this in Judd what year was uh the year that that Tavares Jackson started the season um and then Gus Frat replaced him after the second yeah and Gus Frat started most of the year uh, got them in the playoff race. I think broke a rib or something. Uh, Transfers process and is back. They went to Arizona. Tavares Jackson threw like twenty passes, and four or five of them were touchdown passes. And boom, he was back as the starter. And we knew then that that, that was Brad Childress's favorite quarterback, and that's who he wanted to start. He found an opportunity to get him back in the lineup, and he did. Yeah. Um, I don't know if. That is a similar pattern that we're going to see this year, but it's certainly a possibility. And until Mike Zimmer says Case Keenum is my quarterback, as Tony Dungy suggested he say, it's very relevant to keep asking the question. Uh, what, what's more of an accurate statement here that it, that the the Caso maniacs are uh, maybe overvaluing how good he's been? We've gotten a couple Kurt Warner emails and calls <laughs> the last twenty four yeah. hours, which is absurd to me. Uh, yeah. That maybe there's some some overvaluing of what he's done because we have quarterback beer goggles on, or is it is it the other way around that um, that maybe you know we're just maybe maybe people just love Teddy so much the last few years that we're our expectations for what he would be having not played in two years are inflated. Where, where would you side? Yeah, I think there's definitely there's definitely some recency bias for sure that you see what Case has done this year and and our. You know, ESPN compiles the, the QBR statistic, which uh, incorporates all the usual passing things, but also takes into account uh, how often he's, a player is sacked and how well he throws on third down and um, 
you know, uh, red zone and all the different things. And he's, he's now second in the NFL in QBR behind Deshaun Watson is the only other. Um, and so it kind of measures all around quarterback play. So he's playing lights out. I don't think that there's a whole, you know, whether it's number two or number five or number six or, or wherever you want to put him, I don't think there's any doubt he's playing as well as most any starter in the NFL, save a handful. Um, and that's, but that's much different than anything we've ever seen in his entire career. And over time, people create an impression of someone. And we all know that there's been times when he really hasn't been that good at other stops. And so I think that's influenced some of the opinion about him. And it's also, but also that the, the the hope and dreams that people had for Teddy after his that preseason and training camp that he had right before the injury has also carried over. And we have forgotten that never in his career in the NFL has Teddy played anywhere close to the way Case is playing right now. Yeah, Appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you. Okay, guys. Talk to you next week. Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com always brings good perspective on the show after each uh, Vikings game on Monday. We'll get Courtney Cronin on at 1115. She covers the team for ESPN.com. Mike Morris, the superstar. We had a very festive vent line yesterday. It's always fun when... When you get either like the catastrophic loss or the win that puts the Vikings uh, yeah. on a new level, yes, and uh, and all the phone calls from yesterday. But all right, there's there's another email here. Let's get to an email when we come back regarding uh, the Vikings quarterback and um, Anthony Barr. Something that we should talk about too in the next couple segments. Maybe he's a marked man. Maybe he should uh, pump the brakes on touching quarterbacks here. Getting even near them. Uh, Mackie and Judd, a lot to discuss, and we can open up the phone lines too if you want to chime in in the next two or three segments. Your thoughts on what the Vikings might be capable of. Your thoughts on Case Keenum, 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd live in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd are back. Are you ready to kick it up? On 1500 ESPN. 1500 ESPN. Visit St. Paul, the city of St. Paul and Wells Fargo. Invite you to experience Wells Fargo Winter Skate, a free outdoors, artificially chilled ice skating rink in downtown St. Paul at Rice Park. Open days uh, seven days a week and located in the heart of the city. Winter Skate creates a fun winter experience for visitors of all ages. More details can be found at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Thank you, Dave Harrigan. Mackie and Judd here. Vikings 8-2. and two, All kinds of content on 1500ESPN.com, including a purple podcast with Collar and Judd Zolgad. Vikings Ventline on demand. A lot of fun calls. Uh, we took a Case Keenum-Kurt Warner phone call yesterday. Got an email from Dennis here. Uh, you guys still talking about Case Keenum. I heard that Guys called yesterday on Ventline and his analogy to Kurt Warner. It makes sense. A backup who excelled unexpectedly out of nowhere. Um, please, let's make a rule on this show this season. If you put Kurt Warner from 1999 and Case Keenum from 2017 in the same sentence, you must tase yourself. You must, you must, you can do it, but you must go purchase a taser and you must stick it right in between your fourth and fifth ribs in your rib cage. Kurt Warner in 1999, yes, the the only place where there's a comparison is, oh, the backup quarterback came in and the team won a bunch of games. The 1999 Rams offense set a new scoring record in the NFL. Kurt Warner led the league among quarterbacks in completion percentage, touchdowns, yards per attempt, and passer rating. 41 touchdowns and 4,300 yards and that's like that's before the rule changes in the NFL allowed 
even mediocre quarterbacks like Andy Dalton to throw for 4,000 yards. So, to, yes, they're both backups, and yes, the teams are both winning. But to say that Case Keenum is anything like Case, Kurt Warner, 1999, is way over the top. Pump the brakes. Case Keenum is very likely, and and he's done a very nice job, but he is very likely Ryan Fitzpatrick, New York Jets, two years ago. Guy in the last year of his contract who gets the opportunity, and you know what, plays pretty damn well. And now the question is, is this for real or not? Yes. And and he's going to get paid. I don't think he's probably going to get paid as as much as he expects, though, because going he's he's 29, and he's going to be in a position where I think a lot of teams are like, all right, you got to show us for at least one more year. He's going to get paid. I don't think he's going to get a huge contract. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're listing the reasons in order for why this team is so good in 2017, defense is number one. I'm putting Pat Shermer up there in the top three. I mean, yesterday was kind of it was kind of fun watching McVeigh and Shermer try to figure out ways to beat good defenses and to 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 win the chess match back and forth. You've got two of the best wide receivers in the NFL on your offense. Haven't had that in fifteen or twenty in in seventeen years since Chris Carter left the Vikings. Feeling incredible 19th. right now. Yes. Uh, so, like credit where credits due, but let's pump the brakes a little bit there. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Benjamin, you're out with Mackie and Judd. Good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my Hi, call. Ben, yeah, man. Thanks for calling. Hey, so uh, uh, first off, on on Case, he's doing really great. He's perform outperforming all of our expectations. Uh, you know, he really does a great job avoiding the negative plays, whether it's sacks or interceptions, and that's kind of what this team needs. Uh, so kudos to him. Now, I'm with you guys. That I think you know, there's a chance that Teddy can be better. And I, I'm, I got to admit, I'm a Teddy, Teddy fan. Uh, so I have a bias here, and I have a take, and I need your help to see if I'm um, either like seeing the situation clearly, or if you know if uh, you know it's my bias taking over, and you need to call out the hot take police or whatever. We will. Uh, right. We can help you craft this take in a in a way that doesn't get you pulled over here. We hope, anyways. <laughs> All right. So I think uh, that if you're the coaching staff and you're seeing practice, and you see that Teddy is performing better in practice. And you know, the front office still thinks he could be a franchise quarterback. They think that you owe him a chance to start and prove himself. You owe it to the teammates to see uh, if he can be better than Case Keenum, regardless of how well Case is playing. Because he is being persistently above average. You, you may not get a chance for him to have that pickup, but if he's not being great and you've got a guy that you see that looks better, he needs a chance to, to prove it. So what do you guys think? It is not uh, it's not hot take police worthy. It's very level headed. Okay, well, that's a great take. Dave Harrigan I'm, disagrees here. I don't know. I think I'm still grabbing his keys just in case. Really? I'm not saying he's over the limit. I'm saying it's getting close. He might want to call an Uber just to be safe. Well reasoned take. It's a good take. I think it's very very solid. Uh, I'm with I'm with Dave on this one. I think I, I'm with Judd on this one. I think uh, uh, it's it's a reason to take. Uh, to, now, here here's where it gets complicated. You're winning games with what you have on the field right now, mm-hmm. and so because you're winning games right now, it's really hard to look ahead into the future to when conditions get tougher. When you're in Philadelphia, when you're in Seattle, when when you're playing four or five, well, let's say two or three games in a row against where it's playoff atmosphere and excitable quarterbacks might throw five interceptions, right? Like that's what happens with excitable quarterbacks. Or just one really stupid one that kills Um, you. It's hard to try and envision how things could maybe get better 
when things are already really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, in fact, let's take one more phone call here on this. Uh, there's a lot to dissect here. Roger, you're on with Mackie and Judd. Hey, good morning, fellas. What's up, man? Victory, uh, Victory Monday. It, it's my Monday. Yes, it is. So, uh, previously, you were talking that Case is excited. Well, I want to give you a couple of examples um, uh, that illustrate that Teddy also is excitable. Uh, last game of the year, last regular season game of the year, 2015, division title on the line in Lambeau Field. Bikes lead seven to three. Teddy gets pressured, throws the ball with his left hand that gets picked off. All right. Mm-hmm. The last uh, last game of the year in 2014, Vikings versus Jets in overtime. The Vikings call a bubble screen deep in their own territory. Teddy throws the ball almost over Jarius Wright's head. Wright uh, skies, maps the ball, takes it to the house. Vikings win. I, I'm asking you fellas and, and everybody to judge Teddy then and Case now with the same scale. You can't dismiss uh, Case Keenum recognizing it's a single coverage yesterday, knowing that Thielen's um, uh, going to run a, a quick slant Delivering the ball on time and taking it to the house. Ro- Roger, a- Roger, we're up against the clock here. We've got 30 seconds to go. Let's react to that phone call when we come back. I think there's something he said that I totally disagree with. All right, because he brings up some some decent points, but, yes. but there's a big but to that. There is. Also, um, it's there's a very nuanced discussion that's happening at Winter Park right now. And Mike Zimmer sort of let you in behind the curtain to that discussion with your line of questioning after the game yesterday. Yeah, I'm a regular Jack Things McCoy. are going really well. How can you win a Super Bowl is the question. Mackie and Judd, 651-646-8255.